good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero along with Kyle Posey. And as we sit here, Kyle, things are about to start getting crazy in the National Football League. And we thought we need a little help. So we're very pleased and privileged to bring on NFL insider Ben Albright. Ben, how you doing? Thanks for the time. Oh, I'm uh, doing great, guys. How about yourselves? We are currently sifting through, I think, rumor number 25,000 concerning the 49ers <laughs> and their quarterback situation. The latest one that seems to be picking up steam is Sam Darnold. And I just have to ask, like, what is the fascination with this dude? What has he shown to make anybody interested in him? Well, I mean, Sam Darnold showcased the tools that he had back in college, and he's always had the tools and, you know, and the, and the mobility and all that kind of stuff. The question was getting the coaching to put it all together and getting a system that, that, that accentuated that and getting talent around him to help him succeed. And, uh, you know, I think people forget that, that Sam is actually incredibly young still. I mean, he's younger than, for instance, Drew Locke out here in Denver, um, you know, despite having been in the league a couple of years. And, you know, the other part of this is he's, you know, he was stuck in that offense with, with Adam Gase and Dow Logans. And, you know, for, you know, people who don't know what that's like, I mean, you could look at what Ryan, with the jump Ryan Tannehill made after he got out from, uh, from, from Adam Gase and people see and hope that Darnold could have the same kind of leap. I mean, having Adam Gase as your OC is like putting a boat anchor on a Ferrari at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. There's no doubt about that, but still, when you watch Sam Darnold and, and I actually do think he has talent and I think that, you know, a better coordinator will make him a better quarterback with that said, for lack of better term, he just has a lot of dumb ass to him. When you watch him, there will be a receiver open on one side. There will be a receiver open on the same level. And then he will choose the most difficult path to success almost every time. It's almost as if he trusts himself too much. So do you think when we're talking about the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, they can kind of coach that out of him? I think so. I think that what you're describing is a common problem with a lot of young quarterbacks. You know, they want to play YOLO ball. They want to showcase the big arm. They want to make the tough throw because they've gotten away with it so much throughout their lives in high school and college when, when they were able to do that. And, you know, you're just not able to do that in the NFL. I, I see it all the time with, again, Drew Locke here in Denver, um, you know, a guy who looks to make the, the difficult throw instead of taking the easy stuff. And, you know, that could be coached out of you. Uh, I'll tell you, a quarterback that got it coached out of him was was right there in front of y'all in, uh, you know, in San Francisco and Alex Smith, a guy who coming out of you. Utah was, was trying to make those kinds of throws, had a horrific rookie season, and it took several years to get it out of him. But then all of a sudden, he kind of went to the other end of the spectrum where he became captain checked down and was almost, I don't want to say afraid to take the deep throw, but but almost never did. And so, you know, I, I think it can be coached out of people. Um, I, you know, Sam is a, a guy I think you can get fairly, fairly cheap, relatively speaking, and he's a cost-controlled option. You get a reclamation project for a year, kind of see what you've got and go from there. I, I don't know that, uh, that that's the only move that the Niners would make, but it's one that they definitely have looked into. What are some other moves the 49ers have looked into? Well, I mean, I think everybody's kind of uh, inquired a little bit about Marcus Mariota and to, and to see what that would take. That's not as really a cost-controlled option. It's a lot more expensive, and, you know, there's other things to it. But he, he showcased a little bit there last year with, uh, you know, with John Gruden, and I think, um, you know, the Patriots reached out, the, the Niners reached out about that. So that's something that, you know, you could kind of look into. Um, you know, and obviously they're exploring options in the draft. I think they I think they kind of liked Zach Wilson, but I don't think that they, they believe that they're going to be able to get up to number two to be able to get him. Uh, and that's assuming the Jets will part with two and keep Sam Darnold in that, that particular scenario to begin with. So, Ben, we met in 2014 at the Senior Bowl. There is a quarterback from Eastern Illinois at that Senior Bowl. It is now 2021, and we are still talking about that quarterback. How much interest is there in Jimmy G around the league? 
Uh, you know, I, I don't think as much as, uh, as people, the fans and media might think. Um, I, I think that the, the Niners are kind of frustrated with him a little bit. Um, and, and I think the coaching staff's a little frustrated with him. And so, you, you know, you would think that the, the was a Darnold situation, there would be a natural swap there with the, you know, with the jets. But I think that that staff is already kind of familiar with him. And I, I don't think that would be the case. Um, you know, from my understanding was that uh, the Patriots had reached back out to kind of see, you know, about bringing him back in. Uh, obviously that was before they signed Cam Newton, uh, you know, to his deal. So, uh, I, I think that there are teams that would be interested. I think Houston would be interested if they, if they ultimately move on from Watson. Um, you know, I think there are teams, uh, like, and, and it really depends because the, the Seahawks have a lot going on right now. And, and the bears, uh, you know, obviously in the, the reunion back there in Illinois, um, that, that would have interest. I just don't know the, the level necessarily of that interest. Well, that's my question because obviously if the 49ers could get to Sean Watson, they would love to do it. Um, the Texans seem intent on waiting, but they can't wait forever. And other teams can't wait on them forever. What do you see happening there ultimately with Houston and are the 49ers involved? Well, they are involved in the, in the fact that in the sense that, you know, there's like 24 teams around the league that are air quotes involved. Um, I, I don't know that they would have a top tier attractive package, but they're, they're certainly, you know, going to explore that option if it becomes available. The problem for Deshaun Watson is exactly what you just mentioned is that teams can't afford to wait on him. Uh, Houston's kind of intent on sitting on him. And, and from what I understand from the Texans, like they're, they're okay with sitting him this year. Uh, they get their draft picks back next year. They know he's not going to lose value sitting a year. In fact, they save money so they can, they can sit him a year and then turn around and trade him when they've got the draft picks next year, double up on the draft picks and, and begin in the rebuild in earnest at that point. So uh, that, that's, that's one possibility. Now I've, I've heard from Deshaun's camp that they're going to kind of put pressure uh, on the Texans a lot closer to the draft, you know, in an attempt to try to make that and sign people and, and Deshaun Watson in terms of available suitors. So if the Texans don't do something now, Deshaun's options start to get limited. And, um, and that's where that really, you know, really starts to come to a head, I think. So we have, Free agency negotiations are going to begin on Monday. And to be clear, there have not been any negotiations prior. It is illegal <laughs> to talk and nobody ever does that in the NFL. Um, how much action are we going to see out of the gate? Because we're used to seeing, you know, deals fly in left and right. But with the different salary cap at 182.5 million, uh, will we see teams just more, you know, um, not as aggressive out of the gate? I, I think you'll see some of the teams with more money be aggressive right out of the gate, specifically because they want to get deals done quickly so that they do, it doesn't bid the price up on some guys. And they want to let they have additional cap space because of their rollover and, you know, things like that. So, so teams that are in that kind of boat, I think you'll see them make some quick strike moves. But that second wave is going to be interesting because the mid-tier free agents aren't going to get the money they want this year. That's where all the belt tightening is going to be with these cap buys. And so it's going to be interesting to see how many of those guys settle for contracts right out the gate that are below what their normal market value would be. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's going to be a hot wave one and a really, really light wave two relative to what there has been in previous years. In terms of the 49ers, I actually think their biggest target is a guy that played on their team last year. And that, of course, is Trent Williams. I'm sure he's going to want to set the market. The 49ers supposedly want to bring him back. He seems like he wants to be back. What do you think a deal for Trent Williams looks like? 
I, I think that either you're going to roll a lot of the, the money in that into year two, or you're going to try to find some way to do voidable years on it, um, it, it on a short-term deal and then turn around and re-sign them the next year, you know, kind of almost in a year-to-year type way. There's there's several different ways they can structure that. The, the Niners are after a couple of different pieces here. There's some other things that they're looking at, uh, including another receiver. So, you know, I, I think that um, I, I, I think they've got to be careful that they don't accidentally burn up everything, um, you know, trying to bring Trent back. You've, you've got to find a creative way to do that and still get him his money. They've done a pretty good job of just being flexible with their contracts and moving money around. You mentioned a receiver. Um, Kendrick Bourne is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He was their wide receiver three this past year. Um, with the draft being so deep at receiver, once again, isn't that going to you know affect some of these free agent receivers? And you, uh, do you have a name of who the 49ers are looking at? Well, I, I think that, uh, yes, it will affect some of the, the free agent receivers. This is going to be as interesting because there's so many offensive linemen in this draft that on the free agent market and then the receivers as well. So those guys are going to kind of have a depressed market a little bit relative to what they would normally have. And even more so because of, you know, obviously the COVID cap hit, uh, as far as a receiver goes, you know, if the, if the Niners do wind up with Sam Darnold, I would not be surprised at all to see Juju get pursued. Um, Sam was lobbying for him up there in New York and you know, they kind of just kind of didn't do anything with that. And, and he wants to kind of reunite with them, you know, and, and I think that that would be kind of a good fit there too. So if that were to happen, I wouldn't be surprised to see that combination wind up there the usc combo back in action and juju would be the slot receiver that they're looking for and it it, in my opinion a bigger slot receiver is that's kind of the wave in the nfl not so much as the short shifty one so moving away from the trent taylor types would be smart for me yeah, I think so. That, that is kind of a league trend too. the heavy slot. Um, I, you know, we've seen that over the last five, six years, but it kind of really become a thing with guys like, you know, Mike Evans doing that and, and Dontrell Inman and, you know, guys like that. So I, I would not be surprised to see something like that at all. Looking ahead a little bit to the draft, there are a ton of people, cough, cough, me people that want to see the 49ers take a quarterback in the draft, but they are at 12. How many quarterbacks do you think we'll see go in the top 10? Um, I think you're going to see four go in the top eight. So if you're wanting, if you're wanting someone not named Mac Jones, then, uh, then you're going to have to get up above Carolina, you know, and, and maybe even higher than that, depending on if Carolina moves up. Um, I, I, you're going to see three quarterbacks probably go in the top five and then, and then Carolina, if they don't get Deshaun Watson and they would be very in on Deshaun Watson, if he were available, um, you know, I think that they're looking at and kind of eyeballing Justin Fields. Do you have QB rankings yet? Have you done that? Have you looked into guys? Uh, I mean, some, I, I haven't really, um, you know, I, I haven't really been as, as available to kind of do the deep dives this year as I want to. And tape's been a lot more limited, you know, with COVID and everything. Um, you know, I, I think Lawrence and Wilson are one and two and, and how you rank them is up to you. I, it's a lot closer than people think. Um, and I, I can tell you, uh, there are a half dozen coaches in the league uh, that prefer Zach Wilson to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, um, so, you know, and, and I would, I would hint strongly that uh, the coach that you guys are reporting on would, would be one of those. Um, so the, you know, that, that, I think that tears by itself. And then after that, you kind of get into these other guys, you got Trey Lance and, and, and Mac Jones who have limited starts. Um, you know, Mac was obviously successful, but it was Bama and he was surrounded by great talent. Trey Lance got all the tools in the world, but you know, he's played basically one season since high school. Um, and, and then you got Justin Fields who's got more snaps, but he's, he's a little bit more raw in terms of, uh, you know, pro style offense 
fits and, and, and things like that. There's some, I think some more specific fits he needs in the NFL than maybe the other two, but uh, you know, those guys have, they all have starter potential. Uh, I think that's the second tier. So, you know, it's kind of a pick your poison on what you're looking for. Mac Jones has, uh, has all the mobility of Kurt Warner. Um, you know, the other two guys have, uh, have, have more mobility than that. So yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's just one of those setups where, you know, it just depends on what you're asking your quarterback to do. Um, I think it's, it's kind of how you have it, you know, kind of what you prefer. Um, I think that too, too many times people get hung up on just a, a vanilla ranking of guys and not really getting involved more in the scheme fit aspect of it. How, how that changes, how these teams rank these guys. You mentioned sort of the difficulty in just getting film and, and just kind of information this year on all these guys. I've seen some various reports that NFL teams are kind of frustrated by that. Are you getting the sense, too, that it's it's a little more difficult for teams to get information and get to know these guys because of all the COVID stuff going on? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it is a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, you, you can tell that teams with larger scouting departments and, and, and better relationships with the schools are, are, are yet leveraging those relationships right now because they, um, uh, they need to, you know, honestly, uh, but the information flow has been a lot different this year. And I, I'll tell you, I got off the call off, off the phone yesterday with some people that were definitely frustrated with, you know, no combine combine, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because a lot of teams find out the combine and the senior bowl really are the two largest meetings of NFL personnel in any given spot in any given year and so you know teams and guys that go out drinking they, they scout swap stories and all that kind of stuff and people kind of start to get a little bit of an idea of what other teams are doing around the league and they can kind of shape what they're doing uh, around that you know um we, we talk all the time um or at least i do on, on my show but the difference between valuation and evaluation when it comes comes to scouting players, you know, and, you know, an evaluation is what do I think this player can become evaluation is where people mistakenly put stuff like I got a first round grade or, or, you know, things like that on that. Well, teams can't do the valuation portion as well this year because they don't have the information on what other teams value the guy at. And so the, the idea that you might be super interested in the guy, but if you're not sure where he's going, that can be a big problem for you in terms of trying to position yourself to get your guy. So let's go back to you hinting at Kyle Shanahan being a big fan of Zach Wilson. You're not the first person to say that. And I mean, if you watch one half of Zach Wilson, you could see how he how easily of a fit he'd be in the 49ers offense. What I would say, I have two two questions here for you. One, if you do feel that strongly about Wilson, why in the world would you not move heaven and earth to go get him if you feel like he could be that you know, that value of a quarterback in two. Um, is there any worry about Wilson weighing 150 pounds? Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that, uh, you know, anybody can put on weight. And I think that that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's PMI might actually be less. If you look at how real thinny he, you know, he is. Um, as, as far as Wilson goes, uh, you know, I think um, as far as moving heaven and earth, I, I think that you don't want to, tip your hand on that because if you make it known right now that you're willing to do that well then all of a sudden teams are going to kind of jack up the price on you it's kind of playing the sales game you know um sure. fans want everything done right now the teams are patient for a reason you know they try to be a little bit more patient to be more cost effective you you don't want to pay more than you have to for something and if you're out there blasting to everybody on earth that hey we're we were trying to get to number two to get zach wilson well the people holding number two are going to you know going to jack the price up you know just it's to see what you're willing to pay so i i think that um you know i i think that they may be interested in doing that, but they, there's a certain price point. You just don't want to go beyond. There's a certain price point. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to spend yourself into, into things and bid against yourself where you don't have to, uh, they, they to be to wit, they tricked the bears into doing that for Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out great for the Niners too, huh? They really ended up with right. uh, Solomon Thomas and, and Ruben Foster. What a home run. He's still bitter, man. <laughs>
<laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, the Niners for all the draft capital they've accumulated, haven't been spectacular drafters. Uh, they've actually, it feels like to me, been a little bit better in hitting in free agency. Now, obviously Bosa was a home run and that was what it was, but it felt like to me that, um, that at the top of the draft, sometimes they struggled a little bit to identify talent or pick those guys. Yeah. I think if you look at the draft success of the Niners, it's Debo Samuel in the second round, Fred Warner in the third round, George Kittle in the fifth round. That's, that's why like, if you have to give up some early round picks to move up and make deals, like please do, because it's not like you're, you know, you're not trading away hall of famers here. Right. Right. Uh, speaking of just rumors and more trades, there was a, you know, a rumor that came out that the Colts have inquired about Mike McGlinchey. Have you heard anything about that? Because he has one year left on his contract. The 49ers have to make a decision come May 3rd, I believe it is, on whether they want to pick up his fifth year option. And it won't be cheap. But at the same time, by moving him, you create just another roster spot. So uh, any any news on the McGlinchey front? Well, I know the Colts are, are out there inquiring about tackles. I don't know about McGlinchey specifically, so I couldn't speak to that. But I, I know they are looking at tackles, so that would certainly make sense. Um, uh, you know, they, they they know that they've got to uh, they've got to finish shoring up that offensive line for for Carson Wentz. So that uh, that's not surprising at all. And again, again, it wouldn't be surprising if it was McGlinchey. He's a great tackle. He's, he's one of those guys that's kind of you got to make a financial decision on. Smart GMs are or should be inquiring about him. As free agency opens up here, is there one sort of big move you're expecting to see early or is it pretty much all an unknown at this point? I don't know that it's an unknown. Um, I think that they're, I think, you know, teams have a pretty good, you know, have an idea based on relationships of, you know, kind of who, what guys are kind of looking at what. And um, I, I don't know, like, what specifically do you mean about, uh, about an unknown, I guess? Well, I just, I didn't know if you, you know, look at like uh, Kenny Galladay. Are you thinking like he's going to sign right out of the gate with somebody or like, do we not really know any of anything that's sort of cooking? Uh, there, there are plenty of teams that are interested in him. I, I think that's up to him and his reps on what offer they want, what they choose. I, and I'm not privy to that. I don't, I don't know that information. Um, I, you know, there are some, there are some easy, easy ones that we, that we do kind of know um, like with Inkeel Harry and the giants, you know, kind of thing, unless somebody comes along, that's, that's where that you know, it's going to wind up happening. Um, but is, you know, as far as some of these guys, um, I, you know, I think they're looking for an opportunity to showcase and, and for Galladay, I think part of that is kind of waiting to make sure the quarterback carousel settles before, uh, making a decision. Last thing you want to do is go jump to, for instance, Seattle, and then they trade Russ to the bears or something. And, and now all of a sudden you're, uh, you know, you're playing with Geno Smith and, and, you know, and that kind of thing, that kind of situation, that's a, that's a significant uh, detriment. You know, you don't think that Allen Robinson would love to make some, some different quarterback choices, uh, uh, you know, with his, free agency type stuff. So I, I think that, uh, I think for the receivers, I think that's a part of it is making sure the quarterback carousel gets settled before they make, before they take top tier money. So Harry was the name that was tied to the 49ers. So coming out of the draft, I was at his pro day and there was Adam Peters and John Lynch right next to him. And if the Patriots didn't take him, I imagine the, the 49ers were. So new England kind of saved them and they were able to get Debo Samuel. So have you heard anything about maybe the 49ers being tied to Nikhil Harry or is that, has that ship sailed? I think that ship has sailed. And I, I think the Niners are still looking at other receivers too. I think that I'm not sure Debo's going to be back on another contract, you know, when all said and done. So I, I think, like I said, like with the Juju thing and the Sam thing, like if that happens, that wouldn't shock me at all. And I'm not, I'm not reporting that that's happening, but um, that's, that's kind of in the wind and out there, you know? So, um, you know, I, I think that the Niners are, are still looking at receivers. I think the Ayuk thing that, you know, and all that, I think that they're, they're out there looking to make sure that they get the receivers that they want and, and are multi-contract type players rather than just one contract players. Any idea why Debo wouldn't be around for another contract? 
Uh, I, not anything I want to get into here. Say no more. Just know that this headline is going to be Benjamin Albright reports the oh 49ers move off. <laughs> look, they may bring him back on a second contract. I, I just, I would suggest <laughs> that that coaching staff is, is a little cooler on him than, uh, than the media. Mm, interesting. We're recording this, right? We are. <laughs> so, uh, bit. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> You're never going to be allowed back on here again. Um, ben, what, what about Russell Wilson? Because, you know, we deal with Seattle all the time. And then the news between him and Chicago, it almost seems like, I'm not going to say that's a done deal, but I will say it feels like he has played his last game in Seattle. Would you agree with that? I don't know that I would a hundred percent agree with that. I would say that if it, all things were in a vacuum, that, that he would have already been dealt. Um, the yeah. problem here is that there's something coming back to Seattle, you know, like there's, there's no deal out there that sends Seattle back a quarterback worth it to make it worth it for them right now, or draft picks to make it worth it right now. There's no, there's just nothing out there that, that, you know, that makes that work. So um, that that's kind of the hang up and the problem. If Seattle can't guarantee itself a viable quarterback and a viable top tier quarterback, then, you know, what are they really doing? And so I think that's, that's sort of the problem. Um, you know, Seattle lucked their way into Russell Wilson years ago. That was kind of one of those, they backdoored their way into it in the third round. And Pete Carroll's never been one of those guys that wanted necessarily a dynamic quarterback. You go back and look prior to them backdooring their way to Russ, their plan was Matt Flynn. Uh, and you go back and you look at Pete Carroll's quarterbacks at, uh, you know, at USC and it was a bunch of also rands, you know, guys like Matt Leinert and, you know, and all those, all those guys. So he's on David Booty. wanted to just, yeah, Aaron Corp. Um, so he's, you know, he just, uh, he, he just wants guys that are, that are capable and can kind of move the offense when they're not running it. And that, that's really it. And they, they've had a superstar there that they, they sort of just fell into. So, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I think that they would move on from Russ if they just found a way to, um, acquire a quarterback in that, in that deal or draft picks like top two or three draft picks that would, uh, that would allow them to acquire a quarterback that, that they feel comfortable with. And I, I just, I just don't see that happening right now. Like the, the main trade target would be Chicago and Chicago can't send them a, a draft pick or a quarterback that's worth anything. The, the big impetus for me for a deal for Watson or Wilson is the fact that you're going to need those guys to play hardball. And I think Watson is ready. Watson is ready to, to do whatever it takes to get out of Houston. Russ to me seems a little more concerned with trying to preserve his image and trying to be sort of a nice guy. Like he, he hasn't requested a trade, but his agent put the teams out there that he would go to. So I feel like Watson is willing to do what it takes to force his way out. I don't think Russ is willing to get sort of as nasty as it might take to force a trade. Um, I, I would say that there's some truth to that. Russ, Russ, um, they, they'll, they'll still pull strings behind the scenes if they want to, but for mm -hmm. Russ, it's about legacy at this point. Anyway, the whole point of getting out of this setup is legacy. You know, um, Russ feels like he's been held back he feels like he's a guy that, it, you know, if he had the right protection and a scheme that allowed him to get rid of the ball quicker, instead of, you know, play action vert, you know, stuff all the time that, that maybe he could, um, you know, save some wear and tear on his body and, and maybe play another decade, decade and a half like Tom Brady and, you know, and find a way to challenge for some of those all time marks. And so I think that's for, for Russ, I really think that that's what's, um, what's on his mind about this for Deshaun, his setup's totally different. There's, there's different reasons that he doesn't want to be in, uh, 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 you know, in, in Houston. And I think that, uh, I think that situation is just entirely different. I, I still don't understand how you're a national football league team with a, with a top seven quarterback in the league. Uh, and, uh, and, and you choose the team chaplain over that. I, I still don't understand that. Like we can find a new chaplain. <laughs> 
they are the Texans for a reason and they are going to remain the Texans for a reason because of decisions like this. Nothing that they've done seems to make sense and nothing that they've done seems to make, to make it sound like that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. And it's a shame because David Cully is really a good guy. Like he's, he's one of the really good guys in the league. Um, I, don't, I don't know how successful he's going to be as a head coach, but he's one of the really good dudes in the league. And it's just a shame that it all starts off like this. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of the fall guy. So, uh, Ben, we want to we want to thank you for taking the time to join us here. Uh, we got big, big week on deck. Oh, again, one last prediction. You, so you've given us Juju. Um, do, you, do you think that the 49ers might be tied to anyone else? A cornerback, we haven't really touched on that, is a very big position of need for them. Um, do you see, do you know if they're maybe looking at any cornerbacks in free agency or is that going to be a draft thing as well? I think that uh, that they're looking at a couple of different guys. Um, if Caleb Farley, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. And I, I think that's that's really kind of I think where Farley starts in terms of uh, you know draft position. I, a lot of people have him up there at nine. I, I think that's too early. Uh, honestly, I think he's going to be available later than that. But uh, he's one of the guys that uh, that I think fits their scheme um, if they're willing to develop him, you know, and everything. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, they could, they could be in on court. It's a deep corner class. You can get some pretty good value on day two at corners. So, oh, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I think that it's going to be interesting that the, the Broncos are a team that are going to be buying corners and free agency. So uh, I think it's interesting to kind of see what kind of contracts come out of that. And especially if they come out early and if that kind of sets the market. One last thing, what inevitable trade will John Lynch and John Elway make because they cannot go an off season without doing a deal together. <laughs> oh, they might trade draft picks there in the first round. You never know if, uh, if a certain quarterback falls, they might, uh, they might swap draft picks there in the first round. Love it. Well, Ben, we appreciate all the time. Uh, you're, you've said some things here that are going to make me uh, feel a certain kind of way as we get into, uh, <laughs> later on in this off season. We appreciate the time. You can follow them at Albright NFL on Twitter. Thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. Anytime guys. Thanks again to Ben Albright for his time. Uh, that little Debo nugget, that really caught us off guard. Kyle and I looked at each other on the Zoom during the interview and we're like, whoa, that is not something that I have ever heard anywhere that Kyle Shanahan or, as Ben said, the coaching staff, which to me, that's Kyle Shanahan because Kyle doesn't really give a crap about what anybody else thinks, are not as high on Debo as the media, he said. I assume he meant like as the rest of us which is fascinating to me because you could see the difference in the offense when Debo was out there versus when he was missing games on the sideline. It's a totally different offense. They can threaten the defense and pressure the defense in a whole bunch of different ways. He obviously makes plays after the catch in addition to the jet sweeps and all that stuff. I almost wonder if Kyle's frustration, if he is in fact frustrated with Debo, is maybe like just a health issue. You know, Debo played 15 games as a rookie, made 11 starts, only seven games last year, just five starts. I almost wonder if Kyle is like, dude, we need you. Like, I can still make this thing work even with all the injuries if I have you out there. And I just need you to take better care of yourself and, and get right. You know, treat this seriously. Take this seriously. And we can get back to the playoffs. And I wonder if his frustration stemmed from the fact that maybe he didn't think Devo was doing as much as he should do to be out there every week. That seems to be the only thing I can think of. I don't know of any other reason why Kyle would be upset with Debo. I mean, I know he's on social media a lot, but like, so what? Everybody is nowadays. That, that shouldn't be a big deal. It's not like he's giving away team secrets on social media. So I don't know what else it could be. I don't have a ton of sources. I've asked a couple of people I know if they heard anything. 
and I haven't gotten anything back that would lead me to believe that there's any sort of issue. Um, but that's just something to keep an eye on. You know, something to maybe go back and look at some of the comments Kyle's made about Debo, see what he says about Debo this year, and maybe we get sort of a clearer picture of that relationship. But that was, a, that was something that jumped out to me, so I just wanted to react to it a little bit. That's going to do it for this edition of the Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Thanks again to Ben Albright and to Cal Posey for hooking us up, making that interview happen. As always, rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. This is the perfect time to do it because stuff is going to be crazy next week, starting right on Monday when the legal tampering period begins. So stay locked in to NinersNation.com and, of course, to the Niners Nation Podcast Network to get you everything you need to know for what will be in a fantastic offseason. Peace!